You have your Bibles open to the book of Romans, chapter number one. I want to begin reading. I really like to begin reading with the first verse. If you'll follow with me, and I'll go down to the verse that I feel God had me preach on this morning. But look, notice what it says. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now notice that. He said, I, I have been called and I'm separated to the gospel. His, his job was the gospel. His life was the gospel. That's what it was all about. And he, his, God put him in the gospel ministry, the gospel. Notice verse 2, which he had promised before by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be at Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of Throughout the whole world, now, that group of believers there in Rome had a testimony throughout the whole world as they knew it, that they were a people of faith. And what a testimony for a church and for a group of people to be known as a people of faith. And verse nine, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Now notice again, the gospel. He said, I'm serving the Lord in my spirit in the gospel that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, make a request. If by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto. That means hindered. He said, I, I had planned and wanted to come to Rome, but in God's divine providence, I'm just now going to get to come. That I might have some fruit among you, even as other among other Gentiles. For I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now, what's he indebted for? He said, I, I owe a debt. To the Jew, I owe a debt to the Greeks. I owe a debt to the barbarians. What kind of debt does he owe? Verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Again, that phrase, the gospel. The third time already in these few verses, he's referred to the gospel. And then he makes this blanket statement in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. With that read, I want you to hold your place there. I'm coming back there. But will you turn over just a little bit, Romans and then 1 Corinthians and find in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. He's writing now to the church at Corinth. More, brethren, I can declare unto you the gospel. 
Now back just a few moments ago on five different occasions, he has mentioned the word gospel. And now in chapter 15, verse 1, moreover, I declare unto you the gospel. What is the gospel? What is it that he was preaching? What is it he was separated to? What was it that he proclaimed? And he felt a debtor to give to all the folk in Rome. What is that gospel? I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, now begins the gospel. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I'll leave off the reading there, but he gives the testimony of witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection. And so he says, the gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he arose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and he was seen. And then it's summarized in this. And that is the fact that that gospel is by the grace of God in verse 10, and it's bestowed upon others who will by faith receive it and believe the gospel. Now, will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray now the Holy Ghost of God would touch me. Our Father, I do not choose this morning by the grace of God to preach about the gospel. God, please help me to preach the gospel. Our Father, it's the only thing that saves. It's the only message that can transform. It's the only message that can cause a person to be born again by the grace of God. God, I ask you in Jesus' name that in spite of me, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, that you remove far from me anything that would hinder. And I pray, God, for the anointing and the filling of the Holy Ghost of God, that I follow the gospel will not be a stumbling block, but it'll be the power of God unto salvation. And I'll thank you and praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. Now, in the Greek, the Greek word ashamed, there are really two connotations that were two meanings of that word ashamed. The first word uh, emphasis is this. It has to do the idea of not being disappointed. He said, I'm not disappointed in the gospel. He said, as he goes on, he gives his testimony. If you ever read the book of Acts in the last several chapters, he gives his testimony several times about how that he was a, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, and how that he persecuted people of faith who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he lit, literally hated it. And he arrested men and women, and he put them in prison. He gave testimony to them at their execution. And in one place it says that he, they give testimony, said he was the one who destroyed the church of Christ, which literally means to dismember or to mutilate the Christians. And I believe Paul participated in that, the mutilation and the death of many Christians before he got saved. But Paul said, I've not been disappointed in the gospel. 
I'm, ne- I'm not sad I got saved. I'm glad I got saved. He said, I'm not disappointed in what the gospel's brought to me. It brought to me peace and joy and forgiveness. It brought to me the encouragement that I needed in dark days. It brought to me the strength to face all of my enemies. And it's given me grace when it comes time to die. And I'm now ready to depart and be with the Lord. He said, I've not been disappointed in the gospel. But it further, it means this. It has to do with, with the idea that you and I are more familiar with. That is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He was not ashamed of the gospel before the ruling class of that day. You see, Paul was a born Roman citizen. And as a Roman citizen, they looked to Caesar as God. He was not only ruler, he was God. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed to proclaim the gospel of Christ to those that are at Rome also. He said, I'm not ashamed of the ruling class. I'm not ashamed of the governmental rulers who claim deity because I know that they're not. But Jesus Christ is the sinless son of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he said, before those who reject it. Paul went in many places knowing that he was going to be rejected. You read the accounts of Paul's ministry and he goes in and he preaches and there are several who make we believe, some who don't. But then there's always that crowd that is not only uh, a rejecter, but they are those who would want to fight him and they'd ridicule him and mock him. And while there were some who rejected, there were some who ridiculed. Thank God there were always some who received. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel and be ridiculed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for those who were rejected. Feel like I'm, they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting the gospel. Because while there's some who ridicule and there's some who reject, there's some who will receive. And he said, I'm looking for those people who want to receive the gospel. But Paul was also saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in front of the religious crowd. Because you see, Paul was a Roman by birth, but he was, he was it's nationally, or so far as his political uh, uh, affiliation or the, the country he's born in, but he was a Jew. And Paul was a Judaizer, or he was a, a Jew. He believed in, believed in the commandments. And he was a ruler of the Jews. He, he was a, he, he was up in the upper echelon of the religious crowd. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in front of all the religion of Jews, because I know that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. He said the gospel that they say, uh, the, the Old Testament that they read and say they believe. He said, it's that Old Testament that tells us about Messiah coming and Jesus Christ is the Messiah And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in front of the religious crowd. You see, some people get to the place where they're a little bit ashamed of the gospel. Just the simple, plain gospel. If you've not progressed past the gospel, they think you're not mature. If you just stay, if you just preach a simple gospel and and keep on and keep the gospel going out to lost and dying world, they think you're not where they are. You see, there's some who have matured so spiritually that they've gone beyond the presentation of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the blood that purchased it. Thank God that the only way that you can be saved is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the blood that purchased it. I'm not ashamed of the Bible that proclaims it. I thank God for the Bible. I'm, I, and, and the word of God's given to us that we might know and understand the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the belief that procures it. You see, 
the Jews believed that you had to earn it. And it's in the chemical makeup of man because of our depraved nature to believe that you don't get something for nothing. You don't get something for nothing. No, there's always a hook in something. There's always a price to be paid. And so we're not used to that concept of believing and receiving. But it's the truth of the gospel. And when Paul said it's a simple truth that the harlot and and, and the immoral man and the robber and the thief and the murderer and the thief on the cross can go to heaven by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, they made fun of him. They said he was a liberal. They, they said he, 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 is, he is breaking all of our traditions. But Paul said it's not, he, he said, that I'm not ashamed of the gospel, of the simple faith that it takes to believe. He said, I'm not ashamed of the blood that bought it, purchased it. I'm not ashamed of the Bible that proclaims it. I'm not ashamed of the belief that procures it. I'm not ashamed of the brethren who preach it. I identify with God's people. I want to be around the house of God. I want to be around the people of God. And I thank God for it. I believe Paul was saying when he said, I'm not ashamed of it. He said, I'm not ashamed of the subject of it. Notice what it says here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The subject of the gospel. Who is he? He's Jesus. Paul knew that he may put himself in jeopardy with two different groups of people as soon as he said the name of Jesus. The Jews hated Jesus because they thought he was an apostle, uh, an imposter. And the Romans hated Jesus because they thought he was a self-proclaimed ruler and threatened Caesar. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the subject of the gospel. The gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the fact that he suffered and bled and died on the cross. I'm not ashamed, he said. I'm not ashamed of the subject of the gospel. The source of the gospel. His death and burial and resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the person, Jesus Christ. But I'm not ashamed of the source of that. Jesus did not come, although he was a great teacher. He didn't come just to be a teacher. Although he could heal, he didn't come to be a healer. He came to be a savior. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he said, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the source of my salvation. You see, he said, Christ bore my sins in his own body on the tree. The Bible says, Paul says a little further in the book of Romans, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's everybody in this building. That's everybody in the internet audience. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in this world or his ministers are varied. But one of the primary ministers of the Holy Spirit of God is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Men are dead in trespasses and sin. And the Bible said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says, you hath he quickened who was dead in trespasses and sin. Sin is in every heart and every life. The human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Sin is the, is, the, is the disobeying God's command. It is that rebellious spirit that's in every person. Every person in this building, every person in the sound of my voice is concluded under sin according to the word of God. 
God hath concluded all under sin. You don't have to defend yourself. There's no defense. You don't need to argue the fact you can't stand before a holy God. Sin's a reality and it's in every heart. And the Bible says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He took my debt. The gospel is this, that Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, took all of my sin and all of your sin in his own body on the tree. And he paid the sin debt of that. Romans chapter six, verse 23 says this, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, payment on sin. You work a job, you get a wage and the payment on sin is death. And the Bible says that scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet peradventure for good men, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what it means? Let me just put it to you this way. You, you commit a crime and, and the judge says guilty. Jury says guilty. And the judge pronounces judgment. Because you've committed such and such a crime, you'll have to be imprisoned and pay a million dollars. It wouldn't have to be a million for me to be imprisoned. In fact, it was a hundred. I probably couldn't get out. Well, let's just, let's just use something that would cover most of us in here. You can't get out until you pay a million dollars. You don't have a million dollars, you stay there until you die. No way to get out. No way to get out. You know, I never have understood that. They used to have what's called debtor's prison. They'd put a person in prison who was a debtor. How are you going to ever pay your bill if you're a debtor if you're locked up in prison? You can't work a job. You stay there. It's a person who has proven they don't have the ability to pay their debt, and so they are punished because of their inability to pay. The wage of sin is death. People are imprisoned, and they can't get out because they can't pay. Not by worse the rights which we've done. You can't pay it by that. You can't pay it by good deeds. You can't pay it by going to church. There's no way to satisfy God's holy demand. You're imprisoned. But somebody comes and they approach the judge and said, Judge, what does he owe? What does Brother Billy owe? He owes $1 million. I'll pay it. And he pays the $1 million. The jailer comes and he puts the key in the jail cell and he turns the thing and he opens the door and he lets me go free. I get to go free. Now, what do I have to do? I just had to walk out. I just walk out. Why you say, Brother Billy, that, that, I, I can't believe somebody do that. Well, that's nothing. That's nothing. I was dead in trespassing and sin on my way to hell. Nothing I could do about it. I couldn't change it. I couldn't undo one sin I'd ever committed. God requires that which is past. I couldn't do one thing about it. But before I was ever born, he looked down through time and he saw me and he saw all of my sin and he saw all of your sin. And the Bible said they can't ever get out. They'll have to be in hell for all eternity. They can't pay the price. They don't have the ability to pay it. They cannot satisfy my holy demand. But God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He took his darling son who'd never sinned, never done anything wrong. And he put all of my sin on him, put all of your sin on him. And he offered him on that cross. And on the cross, Christ died for sin. The Bible said that when we were without hope, Christ died for us. 
It says he died for the ungodly. He died for us. He died on that cross. And what he did, he paid all of your sin debt. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the, the source of that gospel. It is the death of shed blood of Lord Jesus Christ. But it's, that's the, the death is one thing. But you must have a death and the resurrection. Because I, I know on certain occasions, if you walk into a bank and you've got a check and you present a check to them, they'll hold that check to verify it before it's ever credited to your account. Because they want to make sure that whoever wrote the check has got the money in the bank. They want to make sure that that, that money is going to be there for them to do whatever needs to be done with it. And so what happened was this. God gave his son, put it on, all our sin on it. And when he died on that cross, he died. And the Bible said he paid the debt. The wage of sin is death. But the resurrection is the stamp paid in full. <laughs> on that morning, he came out of that grave. And the Lord said, I'm well pleased. I'm satisfied. The debt's been paid. It's settled once and for all. All And listen, he paid sin's debt for me and you. And the resurrection validates that fact that he paid that sin debt. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the source of the gospel. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's alive and is alive forevermore. I'm not ashamed, he said, of the subject of it. I'm not ashamed of the source of it. And again, he said, I'm not ashamed of the simplicity of it. Here is how simple it is. Whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To be sure, not the murderer, not the adulterer, not the doper, not this, that. Not, everybody can't be saved. Oh, yeah, everybody can be saved. He made a plan so everybody could be saved. Let's just make it simple. Everybody can be saved. I'll just make it simple. I'll pay the debt for the whole world. I'll pay the whole debt. I don't want anybody to wonder, can a black man go to heaven? I don't want anybody to wonder, can a, can a Native American go to heaven? I don't want anybody to wonder, can an African or an Asian or, or, or a Russian or an Italian? I, 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 don't want, I don't want anybody to wonder, can a, a rich man or a poor man or beggar man or thief. I'll just put it like this. Whosoever. Anybody. I'll just pay it for everybody. Oh, that's simple, isn't it? Simple. You know, just anybody falls in that category. Everybody's in that category. Whosoever will. The simplicity of it. But notice something else. Whosoever shall call. And it's a, you, whosoever goes to church. Or whoever's got education. Or whoever can do this or that or the other. He didn't say whoever memorizes the whole Bible. He didn't say whoever goes and gets baptized. He said just all you got to do is call. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty simple. Whosoever shall call. Whosoever shall call. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll illustrate it for you. And when he, do, he, when he hung on that cross and suffered and bled and died, he gave a, a vivid illustration of the gospel. Brandon just sang about it. There's a man hanging on the cross beside him. He looks just like Jesus. He's been beaten. He's been abused. He's got nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And Jesus said he looked just alike. His death will mean nothing. He'll be in hell for eternity. 
But the death in the middle of the cross will mean salvation for everybody who will believe. And here he hangs. He can't go to church. He can't be baptized. He can't do good deeds. He can't read the Bible. He can't do anything. There's only one thing that he could do. And he did it. You know what he did? He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And I want to tell you something. As I thought about this simple gospel message, I've got a friend now in heaven. Got a lot of friends in heaven now. But my good friend, Kenny Dishman, I'm amazed at God saving Kenny. Kenny was, I mean, he was notorious in, in the area I lived in in Reedsville, North Carolina. Great big mountain of a man, wicked man. He said, I have no idea how many hundred dollar bills I've rolled and snorted cocaine. He, he was involved in, in all types of sin. People were afraid and scared to death of him. And the gospel reached that big old mountain of a man and he fell an altar right there, right there, up in Liberty Baptist Church in Reedsville, North Carolina. And I remember getting down beside him on my knees. I put my hand up over top of him just like that right there. I mean, he was that big and that big man shaking and trembling. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He's big. He said, oh God, I'm a sinner. Come in my heart and save me right now. And you know what Jesus did? He did. <laughs> he saved him. He saved him. I baptized him. After a while, God called him to preach. And he started doing prison ministry. And then after a while, he pastored. And now he's in heaven. You know why? Because he believed. And he called. And he got saved. Will you bow your heads in prayer? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the simplicity of the gospel. It's a matter of whosoever will call and believe. I'm not ashamed of the source, the death and burial and the resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the subject of the gospel. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's not about Baptist or Methodist or Church of God or Assembly of God. He's the subject of it. Jesus. The Bible says they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus in the, every house, everywhere. They preach Jesus. Out in the middle of the desert, Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible said, and at that passage, he began to preach unto him, Jesus. Jesus. He's the subject. I want to ask you a question. My good friend, Kenny Dishman, died not so very many years ago in his 50s. He had cancer. But he went to heaven. He's in heaven now. If you were to die today, and you very well may, where would you go? Has nothing to do what church you're a member of. Has nothing to do with your baptism. Has one thing. He that hath Christ hath life. He that hath not the Son of Man shall not see life. You don't know Jesus. Do you know him? If you died right now, do you know you'd go to heaven? Do you know that? You say, Brother Bill, I'm trying. I'm doing, trying to do my best. That's not good enough. My best, your best, not good enough. It takes God's best. His best was Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? 
right now. Very simple. Very simple. You don't even have to walk to the front of a church to get saved. You know that? You can be saved right where you are. But you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You believe with the heart, confess through the mouth. I do believe that anybody who calls and believes that they will confess with their mouth. I want to give you an opportunity right now, will you? You say, Brother Bill, I've never been saved. If I died right now, I don't know I'd go to heaven. I'm telling you on the authority of this word, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I've never been disappointed in it. I'm not ashamed of the subject of it or the source of it or the simplicity of it. And right now, if you call on him with a repentant heart, knowing you're a sinner and believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again from your, for your sin, he'll save you. And if you will, will you, if you say, Brother Bill, I'd sure like to do that right now. Will you just pray this simple prayer with me right where you are? Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I confess my sin. But Lord, I believe that you bore my sin in your own body on the tree. Lord Jesus, I believe you suffered and bled and died for me and that you rose again and my sin debt's been paid. I receive right now Jesus Christ as my Savior, my Lord, my only hope of heaven. Come in my heart. I receive you now as my Savior. Help me, Lord Jesus, to love you and serve you. And God, I want to tell people what you've done for me today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for saving me right now. Now, if in your heart, you right now, (coughs) if you prayed that prayer and you're not ashamed of it with heads bowed, I just want to see your hand. You say, Brother Ben, I, I ask Jesus right now. And I believe with all my heart, he's saved me. Would you raise your hand? across the building. I'd just like to rejoice with some of you this morning. If you, ra- if you pray that prayer right now, just now, anybody in the building? Anybody in the building? Will you look up this way? Turn in your Bible. <coughs> Let me show you something. In, in, in the Bible, there's a passage of Scripture that I, I want you to look at. In the book of Acts, In the last chapter of the book of Acts, you write there at Romans, just go back to Acts chapter 28. I've been concerned about preaching the gospel. I'm burdened that we don't see more people make trust Christ. Here the apostle Paul, who's the author of 14 books, if you count Hebrews, of the New Testament. He's full of the Holy Ghost. He's a surrender servant of the Lord. He's preaching under the anointing power of God. In the book of Acts, in this last chapter, just shortly before his death. And in verse 24, the last chapter. (coughs) Notice what it says, verse 24. And some believe the things which are spoken, and some believe not. Now this morning you're in one crowd or another. And I don't care who you are, who the preacher is. He preaches the truth. He's got the anointing of God on him. There's going to be always some who believe and some who don't. I'm wanting God to save everybody. I'm wanting God to save everybody I preach to. I want to see the 
I want to see everybody in this building go to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, if the Apostle Paul had preached here this morning, you could only respond to his message in one of two ways. You'd believe or not believe. You'd go to heaven or you'd go to hell. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you now for the blessed privilege of being here today. And God, I pray the Holy Ghost of God will bless these, our friends. God, I pray the gospel will find lodging in hearts. I do believe, our Father, your word will not return void. I pray that some man, woman, boy, girl will receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help them to love you and serve you and share the simple gospel with a lost and dying world. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.